Welcome to this latest installment of Litsema Talks. 2020, not yet over, represents a high watermark in modern society adapting to accelerated systemic change at a speed previously thought not pragmatically possible. The COVID-19 pandemic uprooted established norms, accelerated nascent economic change, and has irrevocably changed how the modern economy functions. Launched this year, Letema Talks has sought to offer the views and expertise of Letema's diverse range of staff on a variety of topics we believe those working in a business or those responsible for managing one may find enlightening, intriguing, educational and valuable in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. Over the next two installments of Letema Talks, starting with this episode, we are conducting a year-end review, highlighting several of the many insights raised by our consulting and executive team over the course of 2020. In our very first episode in June, focused on SMEs and the export market, Letsema CEO Derek Thomas speaks about what the state could possibly do to help SMEs connect with key export distributors and what they need to succeed, based on his experiences working with chemical solutions manufacturer Cerebel. Well, I, I know we provide incentives for SMEs to go to overseas trade shows, right? Target, target these multi-product, multi-jurisdictional distributors. Well, if you're going to invite them in at the behest of a few export-ready SMEs, then covering their costs could be a very, very inexpensive way of mm. bringing the world to South African export-ready SMEs. Okay? okay. It's much yeah. cheaper to fly somebody into South Africa than to, to take somebody out of South Africa uh, to, to a trade shop. And you could have those distributors pre-vetted for who they're going to meet here. So you can build up a great book of export-ready SMEs that they could interact with. I, I think there's some, there's some further dimensions, though. W- one of the things we found is that to export consistently, you need to be able to verify the quality of your product yes. with reference to laboratory results. We couldn't find third-party laboratories who could satisfy the speed and accuracy that we needed in our value chain. So we built our own. And again, we can offer that to to other SMEs if they need it. But that's an essential part of what is needed. And I'm not sure what the state's offering in Mm. regard to provision of laboratory access services are. What we found with that market is the large players are interested in serving other large players. Mm. And so the speed and accuracy and the responsiveness we needed as an SME just wasn't on offer, in fairness. Um, And that's why we built our own. The other dimension, I would say, and this is a bit harder, is if you're going to sell on the export market, our product is an intermediate product. It's a technical product. It goes into uh, much more complex formulations. You need technical personnel who can engage with your mm. counterparts overseas in a language that is technical and scientific. And that means we have to hire those people at great cost to a small business. Mm. I don't see any way around that. I don't, I, don't, I, I don't suspect that the state has any role to play in that. That's an enterprise-level decision. I have further thoughts, obviously, on financing packages, which have mm. very little to do with exports per se, which perhaps we can talk about in a future podcast if you invite me back. But certainly in the, in the space of exports, I think there is, you know, the, 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 the working capital requirements mm. are often run into 60, 90, 120 days. That's very hard for an SME to bear. 
And again, you're going to need some financing package to be able to bridge that gap. Our second episode covered the topic of digital procurement. Here, Manav Sachdeva, associate partner in Utsema's next-gen operations practice, discusses how digital procurement offers two phases of digital transformation. So, uh, digital procurement, I think, provides you two phases of digital transformation, uh, right? First is is getting onto the cloud, you mm-hmm. know, giving you, giving you a single platform to consolidate your end-to-end procurement processes, activities, onto one single platform, right? And that's that's what we call digitalization. So digitalization of your processes and activities onto a single platform on cloud. The next phase of, of the transformation is automation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, over the last 10 to 15 years, uh, you know, new emerging technologies such as machine learning and intelligent automation and ro- robotic process automation is, is making it easier for you to, to automate your repetitive and mundane tasks, such as invoice processing, for example, mm. uh, end onboarding, you know, doing contract reviews. And also, you know, with big data capabilities, especially on machine learning, able to process data much quicker, much, much faster. So there's a lot of organizations where ERP systems are disparate. Data is sitting all over the place mm. uh, to, to extract data together, consolidate it and making sense of that typically would take hours and hours, if not days of uh, manual effort. Now you can do that with, you know, with simple machine learning algorithms. So, you know, coming back to your question, I see digital procurement offering two phases of digital Mm -hmm. transformation. The first one is your simple digitalization of your procurement processes and activities onto a single platform. That gives you visibility control uh, across your entire procurement or, uh, you know, source to pay value chain. And then the next step is your automation, where you start, once you've digitalized your processes, once you've collected enough information and data on your processes, you can now start using that data to teach or to train Mm -hmm. algorithms so that you can start automating the processes and applying machine learning capability to automate processes. The COVID-19 pandemic put SMEs under severe pressure. This was the focus of our fourth episode, where Tafadza Majiwa, Associate Partner for Economic Development at Letsema, told us what actions SME business owners could take to survive the economic downturn and how large businesses and ESD funds in the private sector have played their part in the recovery. So I think you mentioned the, the importance of the private sector coming in and supporting the government in the different relief mechanisms. And I know that there are some that are out there that are in the media that we know about, but various corporates are also playing a very significant role in redirecting their ESD funds to support small businesses and supporting the survival of their existing beneficiaries. So I think it's it's also one thing that's very important to note. They are playing a key role in terms of the total funds that are probably going into that that might actually be more than what has been reported in the media. And what they're also trying to do is they're supporting some of the SMEs that are in their supply chains as well to strategically manage their supply risk. So the private sector is playing a very important role in in this space. And then in terms of your business as an SME, I think the key thing is to understand the role that most of these big businesses are playing. And if you've got an important role that you're playing in their business, actually proactively going to them and trying to seek assistance. This might, might be assistance in unlocking uh, the demand for your business, or it might be assistance in 
working capital for your survival. If you're important to that business, it becomes important for you to go and and uh, pitch something like that. I think as a, as a small business, the, the key thing uh, to understand right now is the level of risk for your business and the level of impact that COVID-19 has had on your business. So this would include you understanding uh, the current impact and also doing scenario modeling for where your business would be in, let's say, three months and six months. Because that, that becomes the first thing. It's understanding the level of risk that your business is exposed to right now. And then it will also be important to negotiate with suppliers, negotiate with customers and negotiate with employees. So this is negotiating in a way that actually allows you to keep your working capital going. And it's important to try and focus on, on rebalancing and income statement tightening. On the balance sheet rebalancing, it'll be looking at, at plugging in capital and investments that will outlet the pandemic. So this might be a diversion of what you were using, what you're doing as a core. Payment term negotiations is very, very important at this point because everyone understands what's going on. You negotiate with your suppliers for things like rent, ETC. And I think it's also important to then look at the opportunities that COVID actually presents in the market. Mm -hmm. So it might be an opportunity for you to adjust your service or, or product offering or to actually move into new areas to actually just take advantage of the opportunities that are there. Our sixth episode saw Rowan McDonald, partner, let's say corporate finance, join us where we discussed the nature of business valuations in a time of crisis and how business leaders were responding. In these two clips, Rowan talks about what medium-sized business owners should keep in mind when under financial pressure and making key decisions for their business. And amid the challenges created by COVID-19, the economic positives that could come from the pandemic. It's, it's, it is a very tough time, and, and I think emotion does take its toll and, and it mm. does cloud your judgment, etc., as a business owner. And so I think the best thing that you can have is reliable information that you can make mm. sound business decisions from. When, when we build a financial model for someone, it, it, it factors into account a number of things in the business. And then we, and we model scenarios and we model sensitive the model is to a movement in mm. a certain variable. And, and so if business owners can have that sort of information at their fingertips and say, if this happens, what does the future look like? If that happens, what does the future look like? Mm. There's really, really good, reliable information that you can make business decisions mm. from. And so, you know, they could know if I do this and I, if that happens, then I'll be in a cash generative position in six months' time. Then I need to look at funding of X amount, etc. It just gives clarity. I think that mm. when when you when you are faced with such a difficult time and yes. and emotions flying all over the place and creditors asking for their money, it, it really can cloud your judgment. So 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 clarity of information and quality information is critical to be able to to just calm the noise and be able mm. to make good good decisions in amongst the chaos. Probably the biggest thing that I would say. As you said, apart from cash flow, just that, that's that's you know priority number one. Actually, I'm very positive, you know, and I don't want to make light of the pandemic and the people that have been impacted by it and people that have lost yeah. their jobs. I really, I really am not uh, making light of any of that. But from a business and a process perspective, I think there's a lot of good things that could come out of it. I think in, in some in some ways. This pandemic has pushed reset on our economy. I think it's probably fixed some things that we didn't know how to fix. If you're thinking about some government institutions that 
that really needed some drastic interventions and no one really knew how to do that because of the the impacts that those interventions would have and now COVID yeah. has made those interventions with without anyone's permission and and actually now we're forced to fix and I think that could be really really beneficial because we could actually come out with more efficient businesses like you said necessity is the mother of invention and and so when we're in a time like this we've we learn how well we can operate under times of pressure but businesses learn how resilient they can be and we learn how what we can do without and what we can do with businesses will probably run leaner when they come out of this and that's a good thing you know efficiency is a good thing so so i, I do think those sort of things will come out i think it will take a while to recover we're already working on a few solutions that could really help the country in terms of infrastructure, et cetera. And those those sort of things probably wouldn't have come about without the onset of, of COVID, you know. But but I really think that there could be positive things that have come out of this. To conclude this installment of Letsema Talks, our final clip is from Letsema Chief Financial Officer Kalejo Klale, who joined us in our 10th episode. Here, Kaleko discusses the broader economic picture South Africa finds itself in as a result of the pandemic and years prior to it, and the impact this may have on businesses within the economy. You know, I'd say the one thing that I've been looking at, I think, really, really closely during this time is the impact that this particular crisis is going to have on the South African fiscus. You know, so as a business that is firmly entrenched in South Africa and is looking to have a positive impact on the country, on a multi-generational scale, really having a, a sense or a feeling of what this is going to mean for, for our government and its ability uh, to meet the needs of, of the people, I think has been very, very key. And, and something that stands out is that we're about to face the most rapid acceleration in government debt in most of our lifetimes. So the latest forecast suggesting that we're going to peak in excess of 110%, these are numbers that South Africa hasn't seen since the 30s. And, and this is absolutely uncharted territory. And, and appreciating that as a business, as an organization, and actually as individuals who are South Africans and, and have their roots you know, based here, that we're going to have to you know, think about how we engage in the markets and you know, in the business environment in a space where you know, the state is going to be very, very constrained in availability of resources. Now that's a very, very critical area to, to not just think about, mm-hmm. but to plan around, including the kinds of areas that we as an organization can and should invest in. And, and whether the state, in terms of its duty to provide infrastructure in those areas will actually be able to meet those requirements or whether part of our planning should actually incorporate making sure that things that you would assume the state would be able to provide will actually need to be provided by individual businesses in those places and spaces. A very unusual thing to to kind of think about, but Mm. maybe a a simple example of that is a lot of businesses 10 or 15 years ago would never have contemplated having to come up with a plan or a strategy to deal with limited supply of electricity. You know, it was just probably unfathomable in the mid 2000s, Mm. even though it had been signaled as early as 1998. But right now there's probably not a single investment that is being made that is heavily dependent on energy, that does not have at its center and its core some contemplation and investment in redundancy of you know, energy supply. Mm. So, so those kinds of things are the kinds of things that we now need to sit now and say, well, 10 years from now, what are the priorities that the state is going to be able to invest in? right? And if there are any aspects of our business and our business models and the things that we're trying to do 10 years out that 
are not going to be met by that, you know, the availability of resources on an infrastructure basis from the state. Well, that actually needs to be part of our thinking, not mm-hmm. 10 years from now, but probably sooner so that we get to those futures. Uh, we're, we're well prepared to, to deal with whatever storm may be facing, you know, that particular business or that industry at that point in time. That is going to wrap up the second last episode of Santa Talks for the Year and our first installment of the Year in Review. Catch us at the beginning of December for our final episode of the year where we will conclude our Year in Review. Thank you very much for listening.